From the in-town Jewish Academy in Atlanta, Georgia, I am Rabbi Ari Solish, and this is Knowledge on the Deeper Side. In this podcast, we discuss the most inspiring and stimulating Jewish ideas, ideas that challenge the way you think and feel. To sponsor a class or episode, please visit intownjewishacademy.org slash sponsor. And now, on to the episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Torah Studies this week's Torah portion is Beha'alotacha. What a mouthful, Beha'alotacha. You know, yes, yes, I'll mute everybody. Yep, get a nice clean background. Um, don't forget, as always, I mean, we've been doing this for a few years now, you can always unmute and jump into the conversation or ask a question, but we'll just get a clean background. All right, so here's how I want to start the class. There's always a different always a, d- a different opening to the class. Today, I want to tell you exactly what we're going to do. This is exact this is over the next 60 minutes or so, 55 minutes. I'm going to so I'm going to tell you right now what we're going to do over the next hour or so together, the time that we have tonight. Here's the map. We're going to start off with a somewhat intriguing, that's not somewhat, with an intriguing mitzvah, okay? We're going to talk about an intriguing mitzvah. Then we're going to go to some classic, you know, feel-good, positive takeaways, like life lessons that we're going to take away. And honestly, like, we could totally close out the class, theoretically, we're not going to, in about, I don't know, five to ten minutes, because, like, we'll have the mitzvah, we'll analyze it, and we'll, like, you know what this teaches us? Boom! We get like great, like perfect, like good to go. Then, once that's wrapped up, we're going to present a three-way machloket, a three-way Talmudic dispute as to the real nature, to the real core of this mitzvah that we didn't see coming. Then I'm going to ask a question on one of these opinions because it doesn't make sense. And then I'm going to explain <laughs> how this opinion not only makes sense, but it like it will make everything make sense like nothing else. In other words, we start off with a mitzvah, present a quick life lesson, feel good takeaway, present a three-way Talmudic dispute, ask a question on one of the opinions, frame it, give an answer that frames this opinion and the entire mitzvah in a radically new way, and with that, we'll have our real takeaway. Yeah. It's like the roller coaster. It's like the roller coaster where you think like, oh, I did the up, I did the down, and then it's like, no, 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 no. You didn't do the 720 corkscrew. right? You didn't get like, that's what we're going to do. This is going to be the setup before the setup, but I've, 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 I'm the magician that shows their hand. This is exactly how this trick slash class will unfold. Buckle up, let's go. Get ready into the, uh, you know, you pull down the harness, roller coaster analogies. My kids are going to Six Flags tomorrow. Camp trip, yep. So so there you go. Put that thing on. You get into the car. You pull off. Then you go backwards. Oh, I can't go backwards in this chair. I don't want to break the chair. You know what it goes like that? You go up slow, like super slow. You're like, oh, wow. Oh, the views get, oh, what a great view. Then you get to the top, and then it like like holds for a few, like it's like holds, like, all right, this is happening. And then you go, and they're like, ah! Oh. All right, so that's, that's, that's where we are. 
We're going to start off with the mitzvah. Just like I told you, we're going to start off with the mitzvah. The mitzvah this week, amongst many others discussed in this Torah portion, the mitzvah that we're going to analyze is called Pesach Sheni. Pesach Sheni literally means the second Passover. Or Passover 2. Hold on. Boogaloo. What is it? What is it? Um, Boogaloo? What is it? No, when you like, um, it's like the, the, the second movie. 2.0. No, no, I know 2.0. I'm saying the um, electric. All right, one second. I got, I don't, no, no one has to know my reference in my head. I'll, Boogaloo, one second. Electric, one second. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I could literally drop my, my, the thing in my head, but I'm not going to. Yes. Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, so this is Passover 2, Electric Boogaloo. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Doesn't have to make sense to anybody but me, but I'm, I'm enjoying that reference. Okay? Second Passover. So what happened? As the Torah tells us, there were individuals that were not able to bring the Paschal Lamb on the first anniversary of Passover. And so... They petitioned Moses, Moshe, to petition God to make a plan. Okay, here we go. Text, no, mom, I think that's just on your end. I think it's just on your end. Um, okay, text number one, let's begin. Um, I am going to read this text and throw in a little bit of commentary. This is page 125 in your textbook. All right, I'm going to pull it up on the screen. Text number one. Page one two five. All right. So here's what you need to know. Also, before we get started, this is one year after the Exodus, or this is approaching the first anniversary. So approaching the first anniversary, God tells Moses to tell the people, "Listen, first anniversary is coming up of the Exodus. Let's do a Paschal lamb, just like we did a year ago in uh, in, in in Egypt. Now you're free. Let's do it one year anniversary." So. Verse 5, And the nation brought the Paschal offering in the Sinai Desert on the evening of the 14th day of the first month. Again, one year after the Exodus. And the children of Israel conformed to all the instructions that God gave Moses. But it really gets interesting with verse number 6. There were men who were ritually impure by contact with the dead body and were unable to bring the Paschal offering on that day. And they approached Moses and Aaron on that day. And these men said to him, they said to Moses, we are impure by contact with the dead man. Why should we lose out and be unable to bring the divine offering in its time among the children of Israel? So what happens here is the anniversary comes around and the Paschal lamb is to be brought and everyone brings it except for a group of people who don't because they're ritually impure. Why are they ritually impure? Because they came in contact with with a dead body. Which dead body, according to some commentaries, they were the ones that were charged with carrying the remains of? Nope. That uh, these were, although, although that was also, I believe, an opinion that had to do with uh, Nadav and Avihu, the sons of Aaron, who passed away. I think you are correct because that was that time. You remember they passed away the opening day of the Mishkan, which would have been Rosh Chodesh Nisan, the first day of Nisan, basically two weeks before that anniversary. Um, but there's another opinion that says that these were individuals who were carrying the remains of Joseph. Joseph had passed away and um, in Egypt a while, many years before, but he said before he passed away, make sure to take out my remains. There were people carrying them, 
and uh, they were ritually impure, so they couldn't bring it. So they came to Moses and said, Lamanigara, why should we lose out? Lamanigara is the Hebrew for why should we lose out? Let's continue verse 8. And Moses replied, Stand and wait while I hear what God will instruct you to do. And God spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them that any man who will be impure by contact with the dead or is on a distant journey. So now we have a, another exception. So either the person is impure by contact with the dead or is on a distant journey, whether among you today or in future generations, should bring the Paschal offering to God. But one second, you can't bring the Paschal offering if you're, if you're out of town. How do you bring it if you're out of town? How do you bring it if you're ritually impure? What's going on over here, right? How does that work? So verse 11, they should bring it in the evening of the 14th day of the second month, one month later. They should eat it along with matzah and bitter herbs. So this is called Pesach Sheni, a second opportunity to bring the Paschal lamb. If you can't bring it, if you're away or if you're impure, um, at the initial time of the Passover lamb, which Paschal lamb, which would be the 14th day of the month of Nisan, you can bring it one month later on the 14th day of the month of Iyar, which is the next month. Okay, pretty straightforward. This is known as Pesach Sheni. That's the mitzvah. What's the feel-good takeaway that we immediately come to? There's always a second chance. Are you with me? It's not, it, there's no such thing as too late. Now, typically, I told you, you're going to get a, a mitzvah and a takeaway to share at your Shabbos table. But this is before the drama really kicks in. All right, but again, what's, what's the quick, what's the, what's, what's the very quick, easy-peasy takeaway? It's never too late. Sometimes we think, oh, yeah, I messed up. Oh, yeah, it's too late. Missed opportunity, missed chance. I should have, I could have. Pesach Sheni comes. The mitzvah tells us, never too late. There's always a second chance. You can always make up. You know, typically in, in halacha, in Jewish law, it says, that if the time passes, then you can't bring the sacrifice anymore. Well, that's in many cases, but not Pesach Sheni. Pesach Sheni, Pesach Sheni again, those, I'm saying the Hebrew word is Pesach, Passover. Sheni means the second. Pesach Sheni, the second opportunity to bring it, means the lesson literally is, it's not, it's not too late. Text number two, let's see this in the words of the previous Rebbe Marnin. If you don't mind, please read text number two. I'm going to share this on the screen as well. Thank you. So look at how the previous Rebbe frames it in a beautiful takeaway. This is all you need. This is all you need. You can cut it out and put it on your mirror. This is great. It's never too late. Hashtag never too late. Even if one was ritually impure, again, it means conceptually, right? Like you and I, we don't have a temple. No one's bringing the, the first Passover lamb or the second today. But it means conceptually, even if you're impure, if you were at a distance, even if you did it deliberately, if you missed it deliberately, we can nonetheless correct it. What a beautiful message. It's never too late. It's never too late. Sometimes we think we missed the opportunity. We should have. Um, you know, what are we going to do? It's too late. No, it's never, it's never too late. You can always fix something. Hey, good to see you. Welcome, welcome. Okay, so that's the message. That's the takeaway. Now, together with that takeaway comes an important caveat. And what's the, don't worry, we're not into the Talmud. If, you're, if you map this out, I don't know if anyone wrote down what I said and created an outline of tonight's class, um, but we're not yet up to the three-way Talmudic debate. But I do want to create a, uh, um, uh, emphasize a caveat here. The caveat here 
is that you, yes, you have a second chance, but who creates this second chance? Think about it. In the story of Pesach Sheni, in the story of the, uh, in the biblical story, who creates that second opportunity? Uh, well, Hashem, God responds, oh. right? But who, who generates really essentially the second opportunity? The people. The people. In other words, if you want a second chance, do it. you got yeah. to do it. If you missed it, there's always a second chance. But don't expect someone to, to come deliver to you in a silver platter. Are you with me on this lesson? Oh, well, what a beautiful, have a good night, everyone. It's great to see you all. I hope you enjoyed tonight's class. Oh, what a beautiful thing. Share it at your Shabbos table. Write it down. Publish it on your blog. Beautiful. What a beautiful message. There's always a second chance. And it requires initiative. If we create, if we push, if we, if we knock down doors, we can do it. Oh, Gavaldic. How could it get any better than this? All right, let's read this in text number three. Beautiful text. This is from the Rebbe's talks. This is still before the Talmudic three-way dispute. This is what I said about creating, opening the door. You missed the opportunity. The door closed. Okay, knock it, o- knock it open. That's the message. Knock down the door. You can do it. All right, um, Elio, please read text number three. Give me a second while I pull it up on the screen and share it for all to see. Some people, oh, ready? You're good. Some people ask, God knew in advance that some people would be unable to bring the offering of the 14th of Nisan. If so, why didn't he present the solution for the impure by designing, by designating the 14th of Iyar as a makeup date when he first designated the 14th of Nisan as Passover? Why was it necessary to wait for Jews to come and ask Moses, for Moses to say he doesn't know and to ask God, and only then for God to designate a second Passover? Right, the question is obvious. If God knows that he's going to open up the 14th of Iyar as a, as a second chance, so why not just from the beginning, say, you got one date, you got another date. Why does he have to wait till the request? Let's continue. Turn the page, please. Continue. So long. Yeah. So long as Jews weren't bothered by their inability to join their brethren for the Paschal offering, the possibility of a second chance did not exist. Then their inner Jewish spark blossomed, and they ran to Moses with a huge cry. How can we possibly separate it from our fellow Jews when they bring the offering? This created a new answer in heaven that didn't previously exist. This created a new opportunity. And just as their determination to bring this offering extracted from them, extracted them from bondage in Egypt, so it is in every generation. Determination to the point of self-sacrifice can extract the Jew from all forms of subjugation and oppressive life events. Perfect. What a beautiful message. I'm actually going to focus on that um, top paragraph on 128. Right, so long as Jews weren't bothered by their inability to join the brethren for the Paschal offering, the possibility of a second chance did not exist. It's not that God was waiting, holding it, waiting for them. No, it didn't exist. The power of Pesach Sheni is you can create a brand new door. You can create a new opportunity. You say, yeah, but I missed it. I can't. I, I totally messed up. That's the message. You can knock down the door and open up a new path. Do you really want it? Right. Exactly. When you say you have to prove it, it out for you, you don't get anything. Right. Yeah. If God, if God just says, "Hey, you can do this or that," then it's not. It it, it doesn't evoke any real. It, it's it's there's, not. There's no inner growth. There's no inner, no inner process. It's not. It's not you. So the whole point here is that they missed it. Then they knocked on Moses' door. They knocked down his door. I don't know. He lived in a tent. What kind of door? Whatever. They knocked. They 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 approached. 
Elinda, good to see you. They approached. No worries, you're good. And they said, that's it. We demand, we demand an opportunity. Okay, they spoke nicely, but that was essentially. So that's the method. The message is, there's always, so again, two messages and really two sides of the, just you know, part of the same message. Number one, there's always, ironically, there's always a second chance. But number two, you want a second chance? Go get it. Go get it. Make sense? Beautiful. Ah, what a great class. Now, we're going to jump into the Talmud. Because the Talmud presents three opinions on exactly how Pesach Sheni works. So now that we know that there's a concept called Pesach Sheni, I feel like saying the Hebrew. I, what about, how am I going to translate it? The second Passover? What does that mean? Pesach Sheni, right? This the second opportunity to bring the sacrifice a month later. So now that we know that there is this thing, how exactly, what is, what is the relationship between Pesach Sheni and Pesach Rishon? What's the difference? What's not the difference? What's the relationship between the second Passover and the OG Passover? Like, how, what's the interplay? Text number four. I feel like reading this one because it's so intriguing. Is that a good word? I don't know. Text number four. Actually, Linda, read this one. I'll read the next one. Okay. All right, text number four, please, uh, 128. Rebbe says it is its own festival. Rabbi Natan says it is a redress of the first Passover, but it is not a restoration of the first Passover. Rabbi Hananya ben Akavya says it is a restoration of the first Passover. Thank you. Classic three-way dispute in the Talmud. They're talking about Pesach Sheni. Rebbe says, by the way, who's Rebbe? Rebbe was Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, Rabbi Judah the Prince, who was the redactor, the editor, the author of the Mishnah, just so you know. So the Talmud quotes Rebbe, as saying that the uh, Pesach Sheni, second Passover, is its own festival. It's, it's its own festival. All right? Okay. Rabbi Natan says it's a redress of the first Passover. Redress of the first Passover. I guess we're using, word, like, redress, man. Right? It kind of um, fixes. It, like, fills in. It's a mulligan, okay, of the first Passover, but it is not a restoration of the first Passover, okay? So it's a redress, but not a restoration, okay? All right? Getting a little confused. Ah, the class, oh, look at this. I'm glad we're buckled up. All right, class is getting a little confusing. It's a redress, but not a restoration, okay? I'm just thinking restoration hardware for some reason. All right, the third opinion, Rabbi Hanan ben says, it is a restoration of the first Passover. Great. Now I got my three opinions, and I have no idea what any of them are saying. Right? It's a regal with It's a holiday unto its own. First opinion. Second opinion is it's a redress, but not a restoration. Third one says it is a restoration. Man, can we go back to the whole, it's, there's always a second chance? That was so much easier. That was, yeah. that was, that was like, <laughs> who can argue with that? Who can argue? Right, you just got to take it. Sure, that, all that was, was fairly straightforward. But now we're getting into the nitty-gritty of the mechanics. Is it its, is it its own festival? Is it a redress of the first one, but not a restoration? Is it a restoration? Okay. I, here's what we need to do. We need to study some Talmudic commentaries to try to figure out what's going on over here. So we're going to turn immediately to text number five. I will read text number five. This is coming from, uh, this is coming from Rabbi Avram ben Moshe, who explains the 
difference of opinion amongst the three sages. Okay? Let me just stop sharing for a second. Is everybody with me? You guys here? Yes? Everybody with me? Three opinions, trying to figure out what in the world is going on? Okay. I mean, like we're at a stage where like we don't know what's going on, so I guess <laughs> we're all in this together. All right, let's, uh, let's jump back inside. Text number five. Rebbe says, the first opinion Rebbe, says Pesach Sheini, the second Passover, is its own festival. This means that it is not dependent on the first festival. Rather, it constitutes an independent obligation like any other festival. Interesting. Uh-huh. It's an independent festival just like any other festival. So it's like Sukkot to Passover is like Pesach Sheini to Passover, to the first Passover. It's like an independent holiday. Okay. Interesting. All right. We may need to... Ex- yeah. Right. It's an independent holiday that excludes many people. Who did the first one? Who did it right the first time? Okay, so and how is it really independent? So many questions on Rebbe, which, spoiler alert, that's going to be our focus. But let's, let's, let's address the other two. And, and let's, uh, let's, make sure, let's get clarity on those two, then we're going to go back to Rebbe. Now, Rabbi Natan, okay, so Rebbe is the one who says it's own festival. Let's continue. Rabbi Natan says, he's the second opinion, that it is a redress of the first Passover, but it does not restore the first Passover. Okay, what does that mean? Therefore, if you did not redress the first Passover, you are liable, not because you failed to bring the offering on the second Passover, but because you failed to bring it on the first Passover. Ooh, word salad, my favorite. Wow, yum, love that. Mmm, so tasty, right? So if you did not redress the first Passover, you're liable not because you failed to bring the offering on the second Passover, but, but, but because you failed to bring it on the first Passover. Hold that confusion, and let's go into the third opinion. According, by the way, I will explain all these, and then we'll still ask a question, but let's just go through this text. Well, hold on, because you didn't bring the offering. The whole point is that the guy, whoever it is, didn't bring the offering the first time around. And so you can redress it, right? If you don't, you're liable not because you failed to bring the second Passover lamb, but because you forgot to, you, did, you failed to bring it on the first time around. We'll get there in a second. Now we'll get back to that in a second. Third opinion, according to Rabbi Hananya ben Akavya, back inside, if you deliberately refrain from bringing the offering on the first Passover, you are not liable because the Torah restores your missed offering on the second Passover. All right, everyone take a deep breath. No one should get triggered by the Talmud or the commentaries. Remember, there's always a second chance. You just have to knock down that door. No, I'm kidding. Right, so we are discussing now this three, three opinions and how we view the relationship between Pesach Sheni and Pesach Rishon, between the second Pesach and the first Pesach. Okay, so three different relationships, three different relationship models. Rebbe says, it's, my, it's got its own, its own holiday, just like an independent, any independent holiday. It's got its own independent holiday vibe. Okay, we'll leave that aside. According to the other two opinions, it's not an independent holiday. It's a makeup holiday. You with me on this? It's a makeup holiday. If you miss the first, if you, miss, if you don't bring a, a, a Pesach, if you don't bring the Paschal Lamb, the carbon Pesach, on the right day, you have a second chance a month later. That's the point, right? It's a makeup holiday. And yet, there's two different ways that you can look at it as a makeup holiday. Rabbi Natan says the following. He's the second opinion. 
Right? There are three opinions. Here's the second opinion. So he says like this. When you miss bringing the Paschal lamb on the initial date. So let's say it's the 14th day of Nisan and you're impure and you can't bring it and you missed it. Okay? According to Rabbi Natan, ooh, that's a, that's a, a, um, a mark of demerit. Ooh, that's not good. You missed that. Right? Yeah, good reason, not good reason. You missed it. You missed it. You missed the train. You missed it. My sister got married. I'm sure my mother remembers this. Okay, obviously. Um, my sister got married on a boat. You know what happened if you came late? You missed the boat. You missed the proverbial and literal boat on the three rivers. Yeah, legit. Pittsburgh, three rivers. Yeah, yeah. It was great. Caught a baseball game. So anyway, here's the point. Um, you miss if you don't bring it, then you miss the opportunity. So that and that and that's a problem. That's yeah, you had an excuse, whatever. You still missed it, and so it remains problematic. But you have a second chance. The second chance could fix the problem. Are you with me on this? So again, you missed that. You missed. You missed the the offering. You, you didn't do it. So it's like, oh, this fist, I don't know, is somehow in my head symbolic of missing something, right? So that's hanging over your head, or like this, whatever. It's hanging over your head, right? But then you can fix it a month later. What happens if you don't fix it a month later? What happens if you, if you miss it again? You're toast. <laughs> You're toast. Good. No, but, what, but where, 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 what, what problem is there? The initial problem. Are you with me on this? It's like there was an initial problem. You could have fixed it. But if you don't, then what is, is the original, the original problem. Okay, good. The third opinion, Rabbi Hananya ben Akavya says, no, that's not how it works. The moment you miss Pesach Rishon, the moment, the moment you miss bringing the Paschal Lamb, since you have a second chance, nah, that's gone. There's no, there's no black mark anymore. There's no blemish. Are you with me on this? Why? Because you have it a month later, you could do it again. So it's not looming over your head. What happens if you miss it the second time around? Then what's the problem? You're now you're in trouble. But why? Not for missing it the first time, for missing it the second time. Because the first time is removed because you had a second chance. Are you with me on this? Does this sort of make sense? I asked you guys to buckle up. Don't say I didn't warn you. It's a three-way Talmudic dispute with, 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 with intricate legal reasonings. Again, again. I wish I could somehow like visualize this. I don't know how to visualize this. Um, I don't know. What do I have here? A cup and a mouse. It's not even, not a cup. Like a, a phone and a mouse. I don't know how this is going to work. Um, okay. This is Pesach Risho and this is Pesach Shani. I don't know why. I just have two things in front of me. It just, it is what it is. So now you missed this. Oh, you missed it. Up, oh, it's looming. But if I do this, I can take it away. And if I don't do this, it's looming. That's Rabbi Natan's opinion. Rabbi Hananya ben Akavya says, you miss it? Uh-oh, you didn't do this. Okay, but we'll put that away because you still have this opportunity. If you miss this, now this looms. That's the difference. Difference between, basically, between a phone and a mouse. It's like, that's basically what's going on here. Does that make sense? In other words, if a person misses both the first and second chances, which error did they commit? Which Mitzvah did they, I don't know, violate? Did they fail? According to Rabbi Natan, the first Passover, 
according to Rabbi Hanan ben Akavya, the second. Make sense? All right. Whew. Don't ask me to go back. Now, we're going to move forward. Um, <laughs> all right, I feel like a magician. Look over there. Now, I mean, it makes sense, but it's just, a, it's intricate Talmudic logic. It's what, it's what happens when you study Talmud. It's what happens when there's a lot of time. It's what happens before TikTok. Huh? Sorry. Sorry? Sorry? Yes. So, is that other than the second chance, or is that another? No, that's the second chance. So in other words, again, so if we look at the words, and let me put this back up, because we'll look, we'll look at the words and understand how this works in the Talmud, okay? Kamarnin is asking, how does it fit into the words? So let me show you how it fits into the words of the Talmud, text number four. Let's go back to the easy text, text four. When I say easy, that's the original text. Rebbe says it's its own festival, which means you missed the first one, whatever, you now have a new yamtif, wonderful. Rabbi Natan says, no, it's not a new festival, it's a, it's a, um, it's a makeup date. And it's a redress of the first Passover. But it's not a restoration of the first Passover. In other words, it doesn't take over, it doesn't replace the first Passover. It just can fix the first Passover, which means that if you miss it initially, that's the looming challenge, but you can fix it. If you do this, then you take that away. And if you don't, well, then that first Passover was missed, and that's the problem. Rabbi Hananiah ben Akavya says, no, it's a restoration of the first Passover, which means it replaces the first Passover, which means if you miss this one, and do this one, right, sorry, if you miss this one, all right, fine, but this one goes away because you still have a second chance. If you miss the second chance, now you got a problem. But if you do this one, then you've restored it and all is good. Fine. But I want to focus now on the first opinion. I'm glad that I have text four up here and that you're all looking, hopefully, at text four. Rebbe says it's, it's, it is its own festival. If you take that at face value, what that means is he's saying that Pesach Sheni, which is a month after Pesach, um, the second chance to bring it, it's, 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 it, it is its own holiday it's its own festival just like uh, Sukkot, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, Shavuot it's got its own identity really? I could have sworn we had a nice feel good uh, little insight before that says there's always a second chance second chances don't sound like their own festival are you with me on this? what do you mean it's its own festival? since when? what planet is its own festival? The whole Pesach Sheni came about because some guys didn't have a chance or weren't able to do the first time around, so they asked for a second chance, and they got a second chance. How could you say it's its own festival? What does that even mean that it's its own festival? Are you with me on the question? How is it its own festival? Um, historically, that's not how it came about. It came about completely as a makeup date, um, and it's only celebrated. Oh, who asked this before? You asked this before? Somebody asked this before. It's the only holiday that only some people... Or go, if you call it its own holiday, great. So who gets to do it? Only people that miss the other independent holiday. How independent is that then? If the only way you can do it is if you miss the other one. It's independent? Doesn't sound so independent. So what's really going on here? The whole Rebbe's opinion that it's an independent holiday doesn't really make sense at first glance. Okay, I'm going to summarize what we've done so far. We presented the story of the Torah, where these individuals came to Moses and said, hey, we, we, can't, we, can't, we can't do this Pesach, we can't do this offering, we're, we're impure, but we want to be able to do it. What, what's, uh, what's our option? Moses goes to God, God says, all right, one month later, you got a second chance. Great. And from, and from this we learned, from this we learned that, uh, let me mute. And from this we learned that um, there's always a second chance, 
And as long as you push, you can get a second chance. Great. Then the Talmud says, then we have a three-way dispute in the Talmud. Rabbi says, it's its own holiday. Second Passover opportunity is its own holiday. Second opinion says, it's a makeup holiday, but it's making up a looming uh, grievance that you, or, or indiscretion that you have for missing the first one. But when you do that one, it makes up for the first one. The second opinion says that when you do the second, uh, um, since you have a second opportunity, so the first, uh, missing the first one goes away. But when you do the second one, it's like you got to, it's, 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 it kind of supplants the first one and now you've done the mitzvah. Okay. Different relations between the second Passover and the first Passover. To which I asked on the first opinion, Rabbi's opinion, how can you say it's a regular opinion? How can you say it's its own holiday? If the only way that it comes into being is because people miss the first one. And it seems to be clearly a makeup holiday. How could it be its own independent holiday? So for this, for this, I need to tell you a story. But before I tell you a story, I want to share with you two different meanings of the word complete. Complete. It even works in English, not only in Hebrew. If I ask you to use the word complete in a sentence, one sentence might be, oh, I have to complete the paperwork. I have paperwork that I need to complete. What does that mean? It means that there's paperwork that has empty spaces, has gaps, waiting for answers, right? W- waiting for information to be filled in. And completing the four means that I am inserting the information into those blank spaces. Correct? <coughs> but complete can also mean something else. Complete can mean perfect. And when you use the word perfect, it doesn't only mean it's not missing something. It means it's the ultimate the ultimate. Are you with me in the difference? It's like a mat. Okay, let me give you another example. Okay, maybe a better example. Imagine a road. Imagine a road that has a big hole in the middle. That's kind of dangerous, right? What kind of what kind of road is that? Welcome to Atlanta, huh? Yeah, North High. Is it? There's a few. There's there's a few. There's like Greenwood Ave over here. Whatever. You just put steel plates over that. I don't know. I don't know what the end game is there. But anyway, so Ray, imagine a hole. No, imagine a um, a street that has a hole in it, a large hole. It's dangerous. So when you fill it in, right? What happens? You filled in the hole. And now the street is complete. Sure. Okay. But would you say it's the perfect road? That's not what perfect means, right? Yeah, if you look at perfect, it means complete. Means co- okay, but you and I use perfect also for some, for a higher standard. Perfect doesn't just mean like there's no flaw. Perfect means like, oh, it's perfect. It's like, oh, it can't get any better. You with me on this? There's, there's, it's not bad because there's no hole, but then that's one definition of complete or perfect or whatever. And then there's another definition, which means it is... Not only it's not bad, but it can't get any better. You see, with me, the difference is like, is it either I'm filling something that's obviously wrong, that's one, that's so now it's complete, or, or it's perfected, or I could say that no, perfect means it's like the ultimate. 
Okay, so let's see this, how the Rebbe describes it. Text six, um, Sandrine, if you don't mind reading text number six, this is page 130. Sorry, let me scroll to it on my end. All right, take it away, please. The words to complete can have two meanings, to make it all fill in what is lacking, to make it perfect, so nothing is lacking, an announcement can render it perfect. Thank you. So we have two definitions of the word complete. One is to make it whole, in other words, to, to get rid of the lack, not to get rid of, or to fill in the lack, to fill in the hole, right? And the other one is to make it perfect, which refers to an enhancement that makes it perfect. So it's not, it's not missing anything, but it still needs, like, yeah, yeah, um, maybe here's a good example. Maybe here's a good example. Imagine a day in which nothing goes wrong. Wow, what a day. That would be nice. Imagine a day in which everything went smoothly. Smooth, very smooth, smooth. So there's nothing wrong, but would you call that the perfect day? I don't know. You could, but you could also reserve that definition of the perfect day for when something goes really, really amazingly right. You with me in the difference? It's, it's like either it's like it doesn't have the negative or it has a major positive. In baseball, we use the term, we, we baseball, I mean, we, uh, the term is used, perfect game. You ever hear that phrase in baseball, perfect game? Perfect game is a pitcher who faces 27 batters or 24 batters with no one getting on base whatsoever. That's a perfect game. It's possible. It's, it, it's, it, oh yeah, it happens. Not, not super, not super commonly, but it happens. Yeah, every every inning you get through all three. No one gets walked. No one gets a hit. It's you get twenty seven up or twenty four if your team is leading and you're the home team. Whatever, twenty seven up, twenty seven down. That's it. I mean, back in my yeshiva days, oh, oh my gosh, perfect game. We call that Tuesday. I'm kidding. We didn't. We didn't. Whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Just a regular Tuesday. (laughs) Yeah. Paper app, going through all the, the stats. stats. Yeah, 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 the baseball stats. That's what kids do. Nowadays, who needs a newspaper? What What is a paper, right? Nowadays, everything's on an app. Um, yeah, well, everyone's everything's digital. So now, let's let's get back to this definition. So there's so there's there's two definitions of complete or perfect, where there's nothing lacking. Okay, that's one definition. Or it's like, it's perfect. There's two, de- two different, it's like imagine, okay, I keep on using analogies. I'm just trying to like hopefully solidify this concept because it's kind of a cool concept. Imagine you're shopping for an S-Rog. You know what an S-Rog is? Like the, an, S- an Etrog. Like the, on Sukkot, you have oh, the little lemon, oh, yeah, the Etrog, yeah, yeah, like the little lemon thing. I spent last year, crazy, I spent a ton of money on an S-Rog. I took it home, turns out it was a lemon. <laughs> That's a joke on multiple levels because a lemon is because le- lemon loves right. Okay, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Yeah, it's a little th- right. Well, some grow without it. So here's the thing. Imagine if you're searching. Imagine if you're looking to buy an esrog. Right. Imagine you're looking for one, and you you hold it in your hands. You have even one of those like, those those things. Loom, 
Did she make up a word? Loop. Loop. A loop, not a loom. Loop. L O U P E. I'm closing one eye so that I can see better, right? You're using the loop, the loupe. I'm kidding. Joking. How was it called? Loop. Loop. There you go. Loop. A jeweler's loop. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Daddy used to use it. Nice. Yeah, he he had them built into his glasses. Not built in. So here's the thing. Imagine you're looking at the asterisk and you find no imperfections. There's, it's complete. It's, it's, uh, it's good. There's no, there's no flaws. What's a flaw? Like a blemish, like a mark, like a dent, like a scratch, like a, you know, whatever. Nothing. It's, it's complete. But is it the perfect esrog? I don't know. I think that we, we might reserve for like something that really knocks your socks off. By the way, if an esrog knocks your socks off, that's another, I mean, but I'm just saying theoretically, like if it's like, wow, like, holy cow, look at this thing. It's like, you know that movie, um, Ushbizen? Yeah. At the, the core, the core plot of that is the guy who finds the perfect esrog and he can't, yeah, that's a great, that's a fantastic movie. It's a fan favorite. Anyway, back to our story. So we have two definitions. So let, let's talk about real, real life examples. Okay, the difference between complete and perfect. Okay, here's, here's how this works. Imagine you have an assistant and you task your assistant with running a financial report of the last quarter and delivering it to you by the 1st of July, let's just say, okay? Let's just say, <laughs> is this something that you might? <laughs> All right, so now, right? So now the 1st of July comes and goes. No financial report. 2nd of July, no financial report. 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, what, what's going on? So, so imagine you go to your assistant, you say, my high, which is um, Aramaic, Talmudic for, what's up? What's up, Doc? Like, what's, what's going on? My high. What is this? What's going on? So, oh, I'm so sorry. Ba, 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 ba. Okay. I, give me another two days. I'll get it to you. So now it's July 8th. July 8th. And finally you get the report. Okay. Let's analyze this. How are you feeling? How are you feeling? How are you doing? <laughs> the boss, yeah, not the assistant. The boss. How you feeling? No, one second. Let's break this. Let's break down. Let's break this down emotionally, right? Let's break this down. So when the deadline came and passed, and with no report, there's a hole. There's an absence. Absence. There's a gap. That gap is a report-shaped gap. The, the report should have been there. There's no report. There's a hole of a report that should be there that's not there. Are you with me on this? Okay. So eight days later, or nine days, whatever it is, you get the report. So theoretically, that should fill in the gap, correct? Yeah. Uh, is the report correct? Yeah. Let, okay. Let's show, okay. Good, good question. Is the report correct? Va- valid question. Let's say it is. Let's say it is correct. Let's say it is correct. Yeah, it was supposed like to be. Yeah, it was supposed to be the same. Yeah, it was supposed to be the same report, whatever. But how do you feel about it? Are you feeling like 100% like super pizzazzed about it, or are you still like, mm, mm, yeah, it's still like, because even though they filled in the pothole, because they they put in the report, 
It's like a week late. I don't know. Still, still not like, still not a hundred percent. You with me on this? It's still. Would you say they did a perfect job? Did they complete? One second. Did they complete their task? Mm, I mean, well, if you say the task had to do with the time, <laughs> still not really. But but even if it's about the report itself, did they complete the task? I guess. Is it perfect? I don't know. It doesn't feel perfect, right? It feels like, you know, it doesn't, it's still not perfect. Okay, right? Are you with me on this? Okay. Imagine. Imagine if, same scenario. Let's see how we can twist this, this, this example. Imagine the same scenario. If you said to the assistant, give me the, re- I'd like to report, run the report, and, and put it on my desk on Jul- by July 1st, and they don't, and then you have a follow-up conversation with them, and you tell them, what do you tell them? You tell them, you know what? You have a new date, July 8th, let's just say, right? And that is another valid date for the report. Aha. Uh-huh. You with me on this? So it's not like a, it's late, but I'll take it because I need it sooner than later type date. It's kind of like a brand new date that is as valid as the original date. Does that make sense? You gave the person a new date. Right. Oh, it turns out the board rescheduled their meeting and now they only need it on the 8th, so now it's your new date. That's right, that type of... So now you might say that not only did they complete the task, but it's perfect. No harm, no foul, right? Because it anyway was on it. That's what Rebbe says. Wow, how do we get to Rebbe? Stay with me. Rebbe says, the first opinion of the Talmud says, it's not a makeup date. Because makeup date implies you still messed up. Makeup date. <laughs> you still messed up. It's like a makeup test. You still fail. I mean, you still messed up. It's makeup, fine, but it still feels like there's something still like a little wrong about it, right? It's still not perfect. Comes along Rebbe and says, no. You know what Pesach Sheni is? Rego B'fnei It's its own holiday. It's its own deadline. It's its own time. Regel? Regel means leg, but it means holiday. B'fnei Atzmo. On its own. It's its own independent. In other words, it's got, stands on its own leg. It stands on its own leg, right? In this case, it stands on its own. It's its own holiday, which means it's like a brand new date. It's not like when you gave the report in the 8th, it's eight days late. No, it's right on time. Are you with me on this? It's right on time. And that makes it perfect. This is the transformational understanding of Rebbe as the way he understands Pesach Sheni. It's not like every. Obviously, it's for someone who missed it the first time around. But what God does in opening up this new opportunity is to say not just, okay, that's fine, you can submit it 30 days later, but you know, you're still 30 days late. No, 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 He doesn't do that to us. He doesn't make, He doesn't create it in such a way where it still would be problematic. Because even though you submitted it, the Paschal Lamb, 30 days later, it's still 30 days late. No, He creates a situation, a scenario, He creates a, an opportunity where it's got a brand new date, and if you bring it on that date, you did it perfectly right. Are you with me on this? That's what it means it's its own holiday. Let me check in with our online crew. Does that make sense? Sort of? Yes? You're not just you know, filling in a hole from 30 days ago and it's still like, it looks like a like patchwork. No, it's its own 
beautiful date with its own energy and its own mission, and you did it right, you did it perfectly right. Rabbi, can, Rabbi? I'm so with you. Everyone ce- celebrates that holiday together. It's not just for the lay people. It's its own holiday where everybody celebrates. So you st- it still wouldn't really be everyone celebrating. Good question. It still wouldn't be everyone doing it because if you submitted the report, on the initial date, you don't you. It, the whole thing is not the whole thing doesn't apply. But if you missed it the first time around, Rebbe says you're not just given a makeup date; you're given a new date with a new energy. And if you do it, then you did it a hundred percent perfectly correct. It's perfect. It's not just you. You didn't just complete it; you perfected. You perfected the task. So Rebbe actually does not disagree with our understanding of what Pesach Sheni is, i.e. that when you miss the other one, you still have a second chance. Everything is consistent. He just takes everything a step further. He doesn't take away from the lesson of Pesach Sheni. He actually enhances it. And what he says is, in God's world, when you have and create whatever second chance, you're not just cleaning up the mess. You can actually reach a level where you perfect it so much that the original flaw is not even there. Does that make sense? Where there's nothing being held against you for not doing it right initially, it's it's like you did it right the first time. Almost. Because it's like it's 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 a brand new date. So it's like you did it right. The word I would use is like from the beginning, you did it right, even though you didn't, but because it's a new date, it's like you did it right from the get-go. And the and the Reb explains why psychologically that's so. In reality. Even though, hold on, but you did miss it. So how is it really a new date if you really did miss it? In actuality, you did mess up. You say, no, it's like you didn't mess up, but you did. And the Rebbe says, because deep down, even when we mess up, the core of our soul is still completely on the right page with God. In other words, even when we do something wrong, right? The core of our neshama is connected with God perfectly. And so that breach of Whatever, that breach in our relationship with God only affects our outer external layers in the, the core of our being, we are perfectly aligned. So Pesach Sheni is revealing the truth of what was really going on initially. Is that in, I know it's going to sound a little bit like <laughs> unconvincing, but in my heart of hearts, I even did submit the report on the, on the initial date. Because, again, I know it sounds, it's not going to sound sufficient, because my heart was there, even if my actions weren't. Does that make sense? Yes? I feel like I just want to quickly just recap, and just a quick 60-second recap, and, and, and just restate what we just did, because this is really the, the big idea of the class. We're understanding Rebbe's opinion, one of the three of the Talmud, and, and we're, we're focusing completely on Rebbe's opinion. Rebbe says, in life, when it comes to making things up, it usually leaves a bit of a bad taste in our mouth. Right? If you make something up, it means, well, you did it wrong, and then now you fixed it, but like, I still know you did it wrong. It doesn't change that reality. So that's what Rebbe says, no. It's its own energy, it's its own holiday. It's, it's, it's got its own fresh new energy, and when the person does it with that makeup opportunity, it's like they did it completely right. We don't even hold any trace of you got it wrong the first time. There's no negative trace in our mouth because you did it right. It's a new date, you did it right. The question is, yeah, but in reality, you could say that in theory, but in reality, they did miss that first date. He says, no. Even, the Rebbe explains, 
our Rebbe explains Rebbe, I know it's spelled the same way, Rebbe explains Rebbe, that when you initially missed it, deep down, you wanted to do it. And, be, and then when you do the second Passover, Pesach Sheni, that reveals the truth that originally your heart and soul was there to doing the Pesach, the, 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 the Paschal Lamb, you just could for whatever reason, externally you couldn't do it. Like in the literal story of these people, these people wanted to bring the Paschal Lamb. In the original story of the, the people in the desert, they wanted to bring it, they just couldn't. And the Rebbe explains that when any, when every time we mess up, that's what's happening. Inside, we want to do the right thing, but for some reason, we're stuck in something. You with me on this? We're stuck in circumstances, our Yetzirahara, the Nevesha Bahamas, the, the evil inclination, the animal soul. Something about something gets us stuck and doesn't allow us to really exercise what we really want to do inside. Comes along Pesach Sheni, gives us a brand new opportunity to reveal the truth that's always been inside. Elio, jump in. No, so the Rebbe says exactly Elio's question is, but in the desert they didn't actually mess up. They were it was literally something they had no control over. That's exactly how the Rebbe explains you and I. When we sin, I hate using that word, when we mess up, it's also not to let ourselves too much off the hook, it's also a little bit out of our control. In other words, um, the, the, the evil inclination that God has put inside of us got the better of us. But really, we wanted to do the right thing. It's just, you know, ever, somebody messes up, they, they do something wrong, and they say, I'm so sorry, that wasn't me. You ever hear somebody say that? That wasn't me? Yeah. Who was it? Yeah, exactly. the video, exactly. Because the, the video evidence is, yeah, it wasn't me. You're like, well, actually. Well, actually, I got video footage, and that was you. Fingerprints, DNA, the whole the whole shebang. It totally was you. But when a person says it wasn't me, you know what it means? It wasn't the real me. Yeah. And that's what the Rebbe is saying. Yeah. When we, again, I hate using the word sin. When we mess up, when we drop the ball, let's use drop the ball. When we drop the ball, that's not the real us. The real us is doing the right thing. It's just, we were impure. We were impure. Like in the desert, we were impure. Some ruach, some spirit of folly overcame us, and we, not to let ourselves off the hook, but it means that now when we realize what's going on and we plug back in, now we can not only fix it, mop up the mess, but we can reveal that in truth, we were internally connected with doing the right thing initially, and now we can kind of complete it and perfect it all the way through. I want to end with one thing. It's a very listen. This is a, it's an intricate topic, and um, and 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 I hope it's it's resonating on some level, right? Rebbe's point is you're not just mopping up the mess, but you're completing it and fulfilling it in totality. Why? Because even initially, that's where your heart was. And to illustrate this, and we're going to end with this point. This will blow your mind. Imagine someone converts to Judaism in between Pesach. And Pesach Sheni. Let me, let me be very clear here in the scenario. Someone converts to Judaism. Rosh Chodesh Iyar is the, is the conversion date. Rosh Chodesh Iyar. It's after Pesach. It's before Pesach Sheni. Simple halachic question. It's not a mystical question. It's a practical question. Back in the day, times of the Beis Hamidosh, times of the Temple, would they be obligated to bring a Paschal lamb on Pesach Sheni. Remember, Pesach Sheni, right, is if you miss the first time around, 
then you have a second chance. But did this person ever miss it? No, they weren't obligated. They're not obligated. So if they weren't obligated, so they, there's nothing to make up. Are you with me on this? There's no makeup date. It's only if you missed it and you should have done it and you didn't, you have a second chance. But if somebody didn't have that obligation, they weren't Jewish, and then they became Jewish, and now you have Pesach Sheni, so then you don't have to, right? You presume you don't have to do anything. Oh, I just set you guys up. Because look what Halacha says. Take a look at what the Code of Jewish Laws, take, take a look at Halacha. Let me share my screen with y'all and read to you something that will blow your mind. Text number, hold on. Text 13 from the Talmud. I know we skipped a bunch of texts. Don't worry. I kind of paraphrase everything. 136, page 136, text 13. Someone, this is from the Talmud. Someone who converts between the first and second Passovers, similar to a minor who turned by mitzvah between the two Passovers, must bring the second Paschal offering. And whose opinion? Rabbi. He's our dude tonight, right? Rabbi, we're all, we're all in on Rabbi tonight. The whole thing doesn't make sense. Look at this. Look what the Talmud says. Someone who converts between Pesach and Pesach Sheni, in other words, I'm giving you a date, like right halfway point is Rosh Chodesh, the first of, of ER. So Pesach is two weeks old, two weeks past. You already missed it. Now in two weeks' time, it's Pesach Sheni. But that's to make up the... According to Rabbi, you do it. Why? Why? It's a makeup date. And you didn't miss it. You weren't obligated. You weren't Jewish at that point. You know what the Rabbi says? Something shocking. Listen to this. Someone who converts to Judaism, even before their conversion, was already the status of someone who converted. <laughs> The Torah says, Ger Shenizkayer, a convert who converts. It doesn't say a Gentile who converts. It says a Ger Shenizkayer. Look at the verse. Look at the verse back inside. Look at text 14. A convert who converted is comparable to an Uber infant. But I guess it's not a verse. It's the Talmud. Ger Shenizkayer, a convert who converted. A convert who converted? What does that mean? It means that even before, look, take a look at the, the Chidah, text 14b. By saying a convert who converted rather than a non-Jew who converted, the sages taught us that before they convert, their souls can be found at Mount Sinai, where we receive the Torah. This means that their souls were in the lofty, wondrous state of Mount Sinai from time immemorial, where they awaited their chance to join our people. The sages were thus correct to say a convert who converted. In other words, even before they converted, they already had a Jewish soul. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Listen to this. So when, when Pesach passed, and this person was not yet Jewish, because they had not yet converted, right? And now Pesach Sheni comes around, and you're like, well, they didn't miss anything. Turns out their soul did, because their soul inside was connected to Judaism, which means that on the deepest of levels, their soul pined and yearned to bring that offering. And so now that they're Jewish, in between the two Passovers, and now they have the opportunity to bring the second Passover offering, you bet your bottom dollar, according to Rebbe, Regal of Neatzma, it's a new chance. Now they're obligated to bring the Pesach Sheni, the second, the, the offering. Unbelievable. This is a radical and a beautiful idea. And it goes back to the same idea. It goes back to the same core point. And that core point is that it's the latter remorse. I don't know if remorse is the right word. It's the latter realization 
that reveals what was there the whole time. And probably no one understands what I just said, because I don't even understand what I just said. What I mean is like this. When a person, when a person wakes up and says, Oi, I can't believe I did that. I, that wasn't me. You know what happens in that moment? They are in a new state, but that new state is actually revealing what was really internally their initial state. It's just they didn't even know it then. You with me on that? When a person says, ay, 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 what was I thinking? What was I doing? That wasn't me. When a person says that, they're having an epiphany. But what's the epiphany? That that, the whole, that, I, that this is who I really was the whole time. I didn't even realize it. When a person converts to Judaism, you know what they're saying? I was really Jewish the whole time. It just hadn't yet been revealed. You with me on this? Which is why it works. Which is why Pesach Sheni is so powerful. Pesach Sheni is a dual, is a dual mechanism. It's waking up now and saying, oh yeah, I missed the first time around. But it's also saying, missing it wasn't me. Missing it wasn't the true me. So therefore, when I do it now, it's perfect. Because it means that all the way through in the deepest in the deepest crevices of my soul, that was who I am, and thus it makes it a perfect experience. And the convert, the one who converts to Judaism in between the two Passovers, absolutely brings that Paschal Lamb. But why? They weren't obligated to be the first one. Deep down, they were. Oh, even though it hadn't been revealed yet. All right, so what's the message? What's the takeaway? What's the takeaway? The takeaway is, let's not be so quick to define even internally for ourselves who we are. We tell ourselves so many narratives about who we are. I'm this, I'm not that, especially when it comes to religion and Judaism. The person says, I, I, I'm not kosher, I don't do kosher. Let's not be so quick to position ourselves because deep down, we are. <laughs> deep down, it's like somebody says, you know, I'm not Chabad. I always say, yet, yet, yet. <laughs> right, yet, <laughs> I'm not kosher, yet, 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 yet. not yet, right, not yet, 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 right, always say yet, in other words, don't be so quick to define who you are, because at any moment, that can change, and when that changes, you realize, you know who I was the whole time, I was really someone completely different. So when it comes to Pesach Sheni, it reminds us that this new, the second chance is really the reality of the first chance. And when I do it the second time, it's like I did it the first time because that's where my heart was. When the person converts in between the two Passovers, between first Passover and second Passover, they bring the second one. I, they weren't obligated for the first one. On some level, they were, even though they weren't, but they were. Deep down, they were. Because if they converted, it means they had a Jewish soul all, all the whole time. It just hadn't come out yet, Right? It's a, it's, a, it's a wild mechanism. It's like the, the individual has a Jewish soul the whole time, but doesn't know it, or it's not, it's not official, as it were, until there's an actual process that culminates. But then when that culminates, what does it mean? That it was the whole time. And so, of course, you got to bring the Passover offering, because you were obligated then also. Just no one knew it. <laughs> not even the person. No one knew it. But now... You got that. So again, the takeaway for me, at least my, the way I would like to frame it is, let's not be so quick.
to judge ourselves, let's not be so quick to, you know, pigeonhole ourselves, so to speak. Let's not be so quick to categorize, I'm this, I'm not that, I'm that, I'm not this. Let's not be so, let's not be so quick, not be so quick. Let's judge ourselves with our soul. Let's judge ourselves, sorry, by our soul, by our godly soul, not by all the other stuff, right? I'm not this, I'm not that. Take it easy. You're perfect. Tonight's class I wrote in the email that I sent out, I don't know, an hour, uh, two hours ago. I wrote the title of the class is Perfection. Perfection. Tonight we learned two definitions of perfection. One is fixing the whole. The other one is perfection. Who are we? Who are we? We're the ones that have the ability to fix the whole, so to speak, and then to realize that we were perfect, at least inside, the whole time. Who can live on that level consciously, right? It's hard. Who can ascend the mountain of God, right? It's hard. It's a hard climb. But those moments of clarity, those moments of truth, tell us more about ourselves than any of the, mo- than any of, than any of the other false moments. Every one of us has had moments of truth, moments of clarity, moments of conviction, moments in which we felt really connected to God and to purpose and to Yiddishkeit, the whole thing. We really felt connected. And then we were really inspired, and then, you know, and then, you know, the next hour comes along, and like, we forget all that stuff, and, and, and it all cools down. But those moments, right, it takes an hour, what? 15 minutes on the clock. 15 minutes, five. Right, but the point here is that those moments should, those moments tell us more about ourselves and who we really are than anything else, because they feel more genuine. They feel more genuine. It's hard to live there. This is the lesson of Pesach Shani. We're not always going to get it right. We're going to mess up. We're going to miss a Paschal lamb or two. We're going to miss it. But there's always a, sh- a second chance. And when you do the second chance, you know what's really happening? You're really tapping into the part of you that wanted to do it the first time around. You just handcuffed yourself a little bit. But now that, now that you got out of the way, now you can assert who you really are. And that's perfect. That's perfection. Yes, Ray. Okay, so I, I'm, I missed something here. How can you take an eight-day holiday, Pesach, and then make up for it in one day? Or are you only talking about way back then, not today? I'm, I'm only talking about the Paschal lamb offering back in the oh, times okay. of the temple. Yeah, not the whole holiday. No, okay. no, break out, break out your Manashevitz. No, the matzah should, should be eaten always. But it's specifically vis-a-vis the Paschal lamb that wasn't brought could be brought one month later on the 14th of Nisan. Um, sorry, the 14th of ER, to make up for the 14th of Nisan. Yeah, all right, so thank you for joining me. We'll take questions, but I just want to officially close it out. Um, so what's the moral of the story? Well, I feel like the earlier lessons were pretty easy. There's always a second chance, right? Don't let the door get in your way. Knock it down. Demand from Hashem. Demand from Moses. Make it happen. And the more subtle message... From Rebbe, the more subtle message is that even when we find ourselves in not such a good place, we have to know and believe and trust that inside is purity and perfection, waiting to be realized. It's really good inside. Knowing that we're really good inside can help us actualize that. If we have a negative self-image, that's the worst. You know that, who was it? One of the Hasidic masters. I don't think it's a Chabad, uh, Chabad. I don't think it came from one of the Rebbes of Chabad, but it came from another Hasidic Rebbe. 
He said, the Yetzirah, the evil inclination that drives us to sin, it's not about the sin. <sighs> the sin doesn't really matter. Its agenda is to make us sin and then for us to feel bad about sinning because it's the negative self-image that does far more damage than the sin itself, right? When we mess up and then we feel bad about ourselves and then we judge us, oh, I'm such a loser, oh, I'm such a low life, oh, I'm such a this, I'm... God forbid we should ever say such things, but like we say, like, oh, I'm so this, I'm so not this, I'm so this, I'm so blah, blah, blah. that whole narrative is literally a self-fulfilling prophecy. Now, good luck. Which is why tonight's class is the antidote. Even when we're missing Paschal lambs, we're perfect inside. No, it's not an excuse to keep on missing Paschal lambs. It's, it's, it's motivation to not define ourselves by our failures, but to define ourselves by our inner potential and perfection. And that's a powerful idea. Of course, I'm thinking of Super Mario Brothers. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Down. You know what coins you have to get? Bring, bring, bring. Where you grab the coins? No, this is from my... Ch- oh, you're right. This right. is from my Game Boy back in the 80s, early 90s. Yeah, this was... I had like three games. There was like Tetris. I was good at Tetris. I should really get back to that. You play Pac-Man. Oh, yeah, I, I play Pac-Man. There was a... Uh, in- all right, so many stories. Anyway, I remember Tari. Yes, yes, yeah, Atari. Yeah. Atari. Atari. What's a, what was the sixty-four? Something common, uh, something sixty-four. All right, whatever. Whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Something. What was it? Commodore. Commodore sixty-four. Com- was that a real thing? Commodore sixty-four. Yeah, I had a Commodore sixty-four. There you go. I I even had a modem that was three hundred baud. You could watch the words print out as they were coming through. Nice. Nice. Wow. I remember the early modems, at least for me, the early modems, probably not the original ones, the ones where like if somebody picked up the phone, like they kicked you off the internet. Yes. That would not fly nowadays. That That would be like, "Uh uh-uh. Nope. Not today. That's what I had. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Not today. Today it's like it takes more than a second for a base to load. You're like, I'm out of here. Forget it. I have other sites to get to. I have no time. I have no. I do not have a second for you. I have like point oh one second, but not an actual second. I'm out. All right. So my friends, remember the moral of the story. We have three morals of the story. Number one, there's always a second chance. Number two, knock down the door. Number three, never develop, never own the negative self-image. That's not who you really are. Who are you? You're perfect. You're, you are in the image of God. All right. Thank you. And we'll end it with that. All right. Thank you for joining me tonight. Any questions or comments? If you have a question on the Talmudic dispute and the three opinions, I'm going to defer you to look to stuff. Whatever. But if you have any other questions, I will certainly take them and we can, uh, we can schmooze. Mom. Rabbi Ari. Oh, Mark. Yeah. Yeah, I've got something to add. We're talking about converts. Uh, in Chattanooga, my parents uh, made friends with a couple that come to town. Come to town. Um, they were both converts. And in fact, at one point, uh, the man had been uh, an itinerant preacher. He'd done snake, snake handling and all that. Uh, but they both converted to Judaism. And I remember asking, why did you convert? He said, Mark, I always felt like I was Jewish. 
Yeah. I, I've had dreams that I am at Auschwitz or in, in, wow. in, in the Holocaust. He was a victim. He wow. said, I have always felt like I was Jewish. That's and that just tracks with what you were talking about, that the convert converts. Yeah. You should know that this is a really important idea that should not get glossed over from tonight's class. Although it wasn't one of the three, I mean, it really is the core of the third takeaway, or it's an example of the expression of the third takeaway, but it's really something that we should remember, right? Conversion is not, although it's new, it's really not new. And that's the whole paradox of tonight, of the Pesach Sheni, right? That's the whole paradox. It's new, but it's really not new. The, power, the reason why it's so new is because it's really not new. Does that make sense? No. It's a new status. They weren't, the person wasn't Jewish, now they're Jewish, but... Now that they're Jewish, it really reveals that they were Jewish the whole time. You with me on that? That they had a Jewish soul the whole time. That's, that's the meaning of it, right? That's it. No, no, I'm just reiterating. I'm just saying. What Mark said is that the, the person says he felt like he had a Jewish soul. He had a Jewish neshama. And that makes sense. Ger The convert who converts. It was always there. It just, the Rebbe spoke very often there are many different talks of the Rebbe about this, and the Rebbe emphasized again at this this point. Very, it's not it's not doesn't originate from the Rebbe's teachings, but he emphasized it many times that it's not. And the Rebbe also loved like these kind of philosophical, you know, puzzles where you know what's the status, how does it work. It's a very Talmudic type of an, an you know analytical type process. It's like when someone converts, what does it mean? Does it mean that they're they're new or that they're they were always like, like these types of questions, the like philosophical questions that also have real ramifications. But we see with Rebbe's opinion in the Talmud, which is the halacha, that someone who converts in between has to bring Pesach Sheni. It makes no sense. They weren't like a lot of people convert. Oh, I married someone Jewish, so uh, I'm going to convert. Right, they just go through the motions, but they, you know, what about those? Oh, people? good. So now you're asking a question about the conversion process oh. itself. That's a okay. That's a va- valid question when it comes to conversion. Yeah. Um, the, one of the one of the things that the bet din is uh, the the biggest thing that they're trying to figure out is is the motive. Pure. And I was, is it really because this person wants to embrace Judaism? Or, it's, or is it from some... Because really the question is, what are you embracing? Are you embracing yeah. Yiddishkeit? Or is it like uh, a sideshow type thing? Right. And so that's what the rabbis, whoever gets involved with that as the betin, yeah. will do their best right. to kind of... Again, I, I'm, not, I'm not involved in that process on that, on, that, on that end. But that's my understanding is that's, that's the main piece of it. Yeah. They married non-Jewish women, and they became more observant than their husbands. That's and that happens a lot of times, right? Right. Someone who converts, yeah, because right, because if you're embracing it, if you're owning it, you're going to go all the way, right? Exactly. Mom, you want to? Yeah. Hold on one second. Uh, don't forget to unmute on your end. Yeah. I'm unmuted. Yeah. Well, first of all, I wanted to comment about um, the boat. I did give people a second chance. The boat docked after the chuppah for people to leave if they wanted to, if they could only attend the chuppah. And then they could, and then people who were late had a chance to get back 
to get to get on and 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 participate in the simcha. Right. The, the, it was. Okay. Listen, I'm using it as an anecdote. No, I know. But now you're but getting the facts involved. Well, now it loses the. No, whole, I'm kidding. No, I, I, I always wanted to give people a second chance. Go, oh, go! I hear what you're saying. You're saying that even with the boat for my sister's wedding, there's also Pesach Shani. Good. And by the way, when they got on the boat the second time around, so they reenacted the chuppah. No, no, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Just joking, just joking, just for the reception. And then the other thing I wanted to say that messes with Einstein's linear sense of time. I'm not going to touch Einstein or his linear sense of time, but yeah, it's it's this gets theory. The rep, the Rebbe loved. I mean, just who am I to say what the Rebbe loved? But my my one man's perspective that would be me is that the Rebbe loved this type of like mind-bending, you know, physics-bending type of thought experiments where you actually see it in Jewish law. You see in Jewish law how something that you're doing now for the first time has the power to change the past and to render it done. How conversion really, it's not from now on, right? But conversion means that you're Jewish, but from now from now on it reveals that you already were, which is why you have to bring the Pesach Sheni. The whole thing doesn't make sense. It's so, but it does. If you look at it that way, if you look at time as being able to go back and forth as fluid like that, then it's magical. Again, we don't have time to like break down the full picture of this, but like, it's it's pretty magical. It's pretty like I don't know. I, I get excited, very uplifted about it. All right. Any other questions, comments? I'm looking to. Rabbi, how uh, can yes. a person get a copy of this Tessa had to leave, and how can she get a copy of what you what you just said? Um. Oh, the recording or the text? The recording. Recording. Um, the recordings are, so the audio is up on a website called SoundCloud. You know what? Email me and, okay. um, and I will email you back a link for the video and for the, for the, for the audio. No problem. By the way, for anyone who's, who's ever wants to know how they can catch a class or recording or share it with someone else, if you want to hear it again and hear all the bad jokes a second time, I don't know why you would put yourself through that. Or if you want to hear the, the class or share it. So you can always go to soundcloud.com slash in town jewish academy or on the podcast is called knowledge on the deeper side and that is for the audio and for the video we have a youtube channel i'm sure everyone's heard of youtube right you no no <laughs> youtube.com slash in town jewish academy fairly easy to remember so soundcloud or, or youtube audio and video everything on your website i mean or on the website. The more options, the more confusing it's going to get. Or you can go to intentionacademy.org and hit audio and video. Yes. Say it again. On the TV. Oh, yeah? Can you? Nice. Nice. All right, YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Good. All right. Why do you think YouTube was created? It was for Torah. Obviously. And for cat videos. Torah and cat videos. I mean, yeah. Anywho. All right. Lila Tov, everyone. Thank you. Um, pleasure, pleasure. Of course, um, I should announce that we are going to have a barbecue. Join the Solishes for a barbecue in IJA, the IJA family. Sunday, July, whoa, June. 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 Sunday, June 26th at 5 p.m. We posted the menu on an email today. It's going to be right outside, right outside behind the building near the belt line. Be, oh, actually, I think, you know the heat? It's pretty hot. 
Yeah. Oh, it's it's hot. Disgusting. Five. It's right. It's. I think it's kind of gross. So I. Is what was it today? One oh one. Oh my gosh. All right. So listen. Today we decided we had a meeting today, and all hands on deck. And it was me and a few people, and we decided maybe to move the barbecue indoors. We'll grill outside. No, you don't like indoors. Are you a purist? It's gotta. It's gotta be outside. Anyway, we'll see. The food will be made outside, but we may eat inside. Where at least at least we'll have an option to sit inside. Where. We're not like in the direct heat, so. Yeah. But save the day, please. If you, I would love for you to join us. I'll be there. My wife, uh, some of my kids that are in town, not the ones that are out of town, obviously. July, June, we get it right. Sunday, June twenty-six, five p.m. Anywhere, anytime between, I would say five and six thirty or seven. Let's say five to seven. Two hours. You could show up whenever. Join. We'll say lachaim together, or, or grab a dog, grab a hot dog or burger or whatever it is, a salad together and uh, schmooze and enjoy each other's company. So that's going on in about a week and a half. Join us for that. And otherwise, stay tuned for more announcements. And excitement. July 9th is Chabad in Town is doing a Shabbat Kiddush. Now the Solosh's. So that's not an IJA event per se, um, but this is an IJA program, the barbecue on the 26th of June. All right. We'll see you all. Laila Tov, have a good night. Thank you, and Godspeed. Safe driving, Mark. <laughs> I always prefer to think of you in a studio with a green screen and like a video on the back because I love the just. I would love if you were actually in a studio sitting in a car and I go, it would just be absolutely brilliant. Anyway, all right, Katarina, thank you very much. We'll see you all. Laila Tov, take care. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, you can find us online at IntownJewishAcademy.org and on YouTube at IntownJewishAcademy. New episodes of the podcast come out a few times a week. If you don't want to miss a single episode, then hit the subscribe button. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to leave a rating or review. It means a lot to me, and it helps other people find the podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day.